Uh, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, May 18th. On this week's episode, we're going to discuss the coming primary and judicial elections, especially the dark money flowing into the race for Arkansas Supreme Court. Also, Leslie Rutledge and the ballot initiative process and the Razorbacks and War Memorial. I'm joined once again by Max Brantley. I'm back. You're back. How was your trip? Yeah, good. Great trip. What was the highlight? The only highlight. Oh, I'm such a wonk. I kind of like going through the Suez Canal. Yeah? How long did that take? Well, most of a day, about 10 hours. It's 120 miles. What, what do you see? Well, you see a lot of desert, and you see a lot of stuff they did to build the canal, and I don't know. You see Egyptian people riding trains and stuff. I don't know. I just, I'm into infrastructure, and I read the book about the building of the Panama Canal, which had a large run-up on the Suez Canal, because so I was in the canals at that, at that point. So call me crazy. That sounds good. But the other best moment of the trip was some falafel I had in Dubai. Yeah? What, what's, what separates falafel? Well, it was moist, and they had some seasoning in it. It was just fried right. I don't know. I mean, you asked that. My wife doesn't like falafel that much, but she said, I have a whole new view of falafel now after eating it. And it was a very, I mean, it was just a street place, you know, but they just, they knew falafel. I can go for a good falafel. Yeah. So Tuesday, May 22nd, is primary election day. There are a lot of races we're watching, and we, we have talked in past weeks, uh, especially about the 2nd Congressional District. Uh, but we can talk about whatever you want to, but let's especially talk about the, the open Supreme Court race because that's really where— Well, really, except, you know, the Republican side has some sort of dog-eat-dog primaries with, like, somebody's got to win and they're all terrible— uh, and, and so there's that. But, you know, the, the real races are going to be in the fall and whether they're going to be any pickups for Democrats. But the, the Supreme Court race, and actually a Court of Appeals race, uh, is also figures in this too because, again, the attempts by outside money groups, dark money groups whose source of financing is unclear are, are the 800-pound gorilla in these races. The, big, the marquee race is, is Courtney Goodson's race for re-election. The Judicial Crisis Network, which is an absolutely anonymous dark money group, which is trying to elect conservative corporate interest Republican judges in state courts all over America, has bought $1.2 million worth of advertising to defeat Courtney Goodson, who's being opposed by David Sterling, who's a hack Republican, NRA gun nut, Federalist lawyer, who's not qualified for the job, and also Kenneth Hickson, a Court of Appeals judge who's more qualified and who stepped in hoping maybe to be the better choice for those who don't want to vote for Goodson but can't possibly vote for Sterling. But the big money wants Sterling because they'll know he'll be a reliable rubber stamp of whatever they want. Well, the thing has gotten – and there's a Republican group also that's spending money in in judicial races. Well, it's kind of gotten crazy. Goodson, who hadn't raised much money, uh, filed lawsuits – in Washington County and Pulaski County to stop the advertising. She says it's defamatory. Um, I think the ads are, they're based on fact. They replay some of the old stuff from two years ago about some gifts she received from her future husband, John Goodson. But also tar her, I think, unfairly with seeking a big raise for the Supreme Court, which was really the work of some other judges, not so much her. But, uh, and she got a favorable ruling in Washington County from a circuit judge, Doug Martin, who unfortunately enjoys family income from his wife through the services of John Goodson, Courtney Goodson's husband. 
that was reported, and so the appearance of conflict prompted him to get off the case, and they've appointed a new judge. The TV stations in that case are appealing the injunction he issued and left in place. But today, Crispy as in Pulaski County, with an identical lawsuit aimed at, at broadcast outlets in Pulaski County, also ruled that the that the ads should not be aired. Uh, he issued an injunction too. He said they were obscene and misleading. And and here's where I think while I have a whole lot of problems with dark money advertising, I have a whole a number of problems with the fairness of these ads against Goodson. You know, there's this ad hoc fairness committee established by the bar that has said they should cease and desist these ads because they're unfair and misleading. Despite all of that, we do have a First Amendment, and, and you can say just about anything uh, to a certain degree. Now, the public airwaves, that that raises a new issue. Uh, ACLU came out strongly a- against The it. ACLU says, you know, and, and here's the thing. Martin issued this injunction without much of without much of a hearing. It's prior restraint, really. We didn't really have a full trial on the truth or accuracy of these of this case. I mean, he in, in uh, an injunction in a defamation or a libel case is very strange. I mean, it is prior restraint. And I, much as I hate the people that are putting these ads out, much as the problems I have with it, I'm just not sure, you know, abridging the First Amendment willy-nilly is a good idea either. I mean, the ACLU, in the course of saying this, also said they're against dark money advertising. They're in favor of full disclosure of people behind this kind of thing. And I think it's important to note that the Republican Party of Arkansas has fought every effort, notably by Clark Tucker in the last legislature, to at least require some some transparency on spending in, in political races. You know, they hide behind this thing where if you don't expressly advocate a vote for or against somebody, you're free to spend whatever, however, and don't have to disclose everything. Well, that's just wrong. They, they ought to be subject to the same contribution laws that apply to anyone, maybe even more so in judicial races where, you know, electing judges is just a bad idea, and this, this just only illustrates it. And I, I wanted to say this is, although Goodson has won at the, court of, at the Supreme Court level in her own race so far, there's a Republican group that's spending a ton of money to beat Court of Appeals Judge Bart Verdon. He's being opposed by a Republican judge. Again, I call them Republicans because that's what they are. They run nonpartisan, but they make it clear they're Republican candidates. She's from Mountain Home. Johnny Coleman, I think, is her name. And, and she says, well, I don't have anything to do with these ads Republican groups buy, but she doesn't disavow them. And, and this ad is particularly slimy and particularly unfair and particularly dishonest because it, it suggests that Bart Verdon has let a rapist loose, and, and what he did was present, participated in a court ruling joined by four other judges, and it's still on appeal, and the man is still in prison, that said that uh, he hadn't been allowed, he'd been improperly not allowed to, to Im, impeach the testimony of one of the witnesses against him. You know, and this is a legal matter. The suggestion that th- this is a familiar tactic in, in these judicial challenges is you find some case where a criminal goes free on a, quote, technicality, unquote, and you blame it on the judge. Well, the judge is following the Arkansas and U.S. Constitution and saying, you know, criminal defendants are entitled to trial by jury, competent counsel, and due process of law. These are bedrocks of the American system, and these slimy ads want to make you believe somehow that they're coddling criminals. And, you know, Bart Burden has a great record. He's a accomplished jurist he's a smart guy and this this is just slimy but it you know it might work who knows
Yeah. These are terrible days for judicial elections, and they've made great inroads in electing Republican judges already on the bench in Arkansas. I, I fear for the Republic. Why do we elect judges now instead of November? Well, uh, this was part of a change in process when they shifted to nonpartisan elections, and it's actually a primary of a sort. If there are three candidates and nobody gets a majority, there's a runoff in November, but they just put it in. That's when they'd all, they'd all, when they ran as partisan judges, they ran in the spring, and they didn't want to have to make them run all year long. They, they kind of thought most races would be decided in the spring, and it is kind of a bad, I mean, judges, <laughs> electing judges is so bad, generally when they run for office, they raise all their money from lawyers. And so when you elect them in November, you're looking at a situation where these judges' campaign committees are soliciting money from people who practice in their court. It's just, I mean, it's just a terrible system. Yeah. Uh, any other races? So there, there's some local races um, we're watching. Uh, the Pulaski County Sheriff's race. Yeah, the, the race for sheriff is, is interesting. Uh, you know, I, I, I haven't seen a great deal of distinction between the two candidates, the retired Little Rock assistant police chief and Carl Menden, who's the current chief deputy. Uh, Eric Higgins. Eric Higgins. You know, I've talked to both of them. They both have good ideas and seem, you know, it's you have the interesting dimension of a, of a, of a black police officer, Eric Higgins, seeking office against a white candidate. I, I think that that's a more difficult stretch in Pulaski County as a whole than, than in the city of Little Rock proper, which has a, a better percentage of black voters who tend to vote for black candidates. I, I don't want to seem to be racist here, but that's just a factor in voting voter demographics. Uh, I noticed the Democrat Gazette endorsed Menden. From my point of view, that's all. That's always a warning signal. If they find something to like in a candidate, it makes me a little nervous. But what they cited about him was his competency, it seemed to be, on handling the jail, which is, which is frankly the biggest job for the Pulaski County Sheriff. Sure. Okay, well, we will be back next week to talk about the results let's move on and talk about attorney general leslie rutledge who has denied every ballot initiative that's come her way 70 of them this election cycle she was expected to be forced to explain herself in pulaski county circuit court this morning but at the last minute she got uh, a case that was a lawsuit that was filed directed at her removed to federal court or she's asked and she'll get a hearing in federal court from uh, judge christine baker this, this is just a transparent effort to run out the clock. Leslie Rutledge doesn't want to approve any of these ballot initiatives. Uh, she's, she's known for two weeks. She had to appear at this court hearing today, and 55 minutes before the hearing, she asked for the case to be removed to federal court on the ground that it raises a First Amendment issue, which it does not, by the way. I've, I've read the complaint. I've talked to the lawyer. They're making their challenge solely on the Arkansas Constitution, not the federal Constitution. And a state court judge can rule on a federal constitutional question anyway. This is a delaying tactic, pure and simple. It's meant to run out the clock. Amendments have to be published by June the 6th for petitions to be gathered. And if she can delay this thing long enough, that will be impossible to meet that deadline. Even if they finally get a favorable ruling and she is forced to do her job and either approve a ballot submission or edit it in such a way that she thinks it meets the standard. There's another lawsuit against her by David Couch that proves that what she's really about is blocking ballot amendments, and that is the one in which he's asked her to approve a, 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 an initiated act to raise a minimum wage. It is verbatim identical 
to an amendment on that topic, a initiative on that topic that was approved by voters. Overwhelmingly. To, yeah. Overwhelmingly was approved for the ballot by Dustin McDaniel, made the ballot and was approved. And now she says it's somehow unclear if you propose to change the minimum wage, whether that means you're increasing the minimum wage. It's just it's just baloney. It's poppycock. And I, I, I th somebody raised to me yesterday an argument that I, I think has a certain degree of validity. When you look at what she's turning down, a minimum wage increase, uh, expansion of casino gambling, medical marijuana or decriminalization of marijuana, a fair districting process. Uh, sovereign immunity. Sovereign immunity, the ability to sue the state for damages. These are all really popular topics that have the potential to encourage voter turnout from partisans of whatever issue is at issue. They all also happen to be things that, by and large, the corporate interests and the Republican Party don't like. And so funny, what a coincidence that these are all the things that she's denied. It'd be interesting to see if somebody had like a tort reform amendment. I bet she'd find that they wrote that thing clear as a bell. But the legislature takes care of those by putting them on the ballot for whenever special interest needs it. And the court tends to be easy on legislatively proposed amendments, but they sometimes are harder on uh, popularly proposed initiatives. Rutledge claims various court decisions have... Uh, have made it very hard to qualify for the ballot, and she's merely exercising the discretion she's given. But and she, and she issued a news release late last night in advance of this court hearing, saying, "Well, she wants to work with the legislature on improving this process." Well, again, this was just this was essentially an admission that she was wrong and wasn't doing her job, and this was covering her butt before today's hearing. And here's the thing: the Supreme Court, since 1994, has written that the legislature needs to correct the process. And they don't want to do it, and Leslie Rutledge doesn't want to do it. So she alone now decides whether the people get to exercise their constitutional right to petition government. And 70 times since 2016, she said they can't. So several of the, one of the groups, uh, I think it was the Sovereign Immunity Group, was the one that filed the lawsuit, and then several others joined in. So what's next? Well, she has the, a hearing. There's, well, David Couch yesterday filed a, a suit directly with the Arkansas Supreme Court saying that she's violating the Arkansas Constitution by not doing her job on these amendments. They're going to have to have a hearing on that, expedited, I presume. There'll be a hearing in federal court on this lawsuit that was supposed to be heard today on whether or not it can be removed to federal court. Federal courts don't automatically take a case that is arguably that they can hear, and she might decide this is essentially the, the key issue is a state issue and it should be heard in state court. So that'll happen next week? Well, they're hoping they'll get a quick hearing on it. I mean, this time is, as I say, it's, what is it, today's the 17th. We're like three weeks from the deadline for getting these. So even if they get a hearing and get a favorable ruling, she's still going to have to go through the rigmarole of whether she does or doesn't improve it or kicks it back to him for another rewrite. I mean, I, I think we can predict that Leslie Rutledge will do everything within her power to not allow any popular initiatives on the ballot. And, and people ought to be mad about this. And she has a Democratic opponent in November, and this ought to be remembered. She, she simply is denying the people their rights, and, and she ought to be held accountable for it. Okay, finally. The Hogs will continue to play at War Memorial at least every other year. You know, and who cares? I mean, some people seem to care an awful lot. I mean, I understand people like Kevin Crass, who spent most of his adult life trying to improve War Memorial Stadium and preserve it as a place for Razorback football. 
And for some reason or another, Asa Hutchinson and the State Parks Department, which have taken over control of the stadium, have gotten it in their head that this glory days of back when Razorbacks played three games in Little Rock and people came to Little Rock for big party weekends and somehow that would reinstigate the glory days of Hogdom. Well, you know, I mean, I appreciate the sentiment, but it's it's bull. I mean, they got what, 17,000 more seats in Fayetteville. They got all the luxury boxes they can charge extra for. Uh, they haven't been able to sell out War Memorial Stadium, again, even against some pretty good teams. TV. But we're going to be good now. Going from now on, we're going to be good. Well, right. I mean, I, I, no, the fans have all of a sudden decided the new coach is, the, is, you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread, so I don't know. But, but with TV being what it is and the fact that schedules sometimes change and, and what have you, I mean, I just think a lot of the people who go to the games in Fayetteville don't want to drive to Little Rock. I mean, we ain't, we don't have a big giant jumbotron. We don't have comfortable seating. I mean, as much as they've tried to improve War Memorial, it's it, it ain't it ain't as good as Razorback Stadium as a venue. It's just not. And I think home games ought to be played on campus. I, I'm sorry to part with my Little Rock brethren who see some economic benefit from the games being played here, but you know, at this news conference, they talked about how unique Arkansas is and. Somehow that we have some insight that no other state in the country does. We're the last major state university in the country that wants to insist on playing a game 200 miles from its campus. And maybe we're not unique. Maybe we're uniquely stupid. I mean, I mean, you know, Alabama's done pretty – you know, they used to play in Birmingham and they don't anymore. It looks like Alabama's doing okay on the football field last time I checked. So, in any event, we're going to get Missouri every other year for a, a Thanksgiving weekend game. And, you know, so that's great. And, I mean, Missouri, as far as I'm concerned. And, and, we'll, and they'll play the spring inter-squad game here. But we're still – On odd years. On odd years. And we'll still have to sell – we'll have to sell 47,000 tickets or they'll cancel the deal. And, you know, the Hogs have an off year. They might not sell 47,000 tickets. And so, so they'll probably ask taxpayers of Little Rock to pay for it with a sales tax or something. Things go like they normally do. But anyway, I, I, I really am largely surprised. There's a, you know, there's some of this Northwest Arkansas, Central Arkansas rivalry thing that's at work here. And, and some people really care. And there is this small group of old timers dying off, I need to say, who have this memory of, Oh, you know, little Dickie Morton and John Britton in the glory days at War Memorial back in the days when Houston Nutt and Wally Hall were sneaking in through the fence to watch games for free. Well, you know, it's over, guys. I mean, you know, that's just not it. Any Jeff Long was right. They make more money in Fayetteville. They ought to play their games up there. But well, it was, so there we are. We uh, published it before this announcement, but this week's cover story of the Arkansas Times happens to be about the future of. Mostly War Memorial Park, not the stadium itself. Now, of course, the stadium is kind of the biggest part of it, but uh, Leslie Peacock does a great job considering all the possibilities, talking to all the relevant players. Um, of course, the zoo gets forgotten a lot of times in the consideration for the park, but it's a major player. and It's a big story, and it's an important story for Little Rock because the War Memorial Park is a is – a, one of the city's great assets and they're all those who would like to ruin it to screw it up i mean for 40 years there have been people that have wanted to do commercial development on the golf course and and 
and and that is that is a thought that still runs in some segments of state government of putting some commercial development on some part of that parkland. Terrible idea. Yeah. Uh, you know, the issue of War Memorial Golf Course is is a little bit more ambiguous an issue. I mean, it's it's it's. I mean, it's holy to the people who play there, and it's kind of a working man's golf course that ain't for the elites, you know, and it's a diverse group of people that play there. I do think there's at least a fair argument to be made that you could develop that part of the park for more general, better, more inclusive, and greater participated park usage, but not for apartments and restaurants and crap like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely sold on that. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think there's a way to get more people to use it. I mean, it, it is... People play golf there every day, no doubt, but it's a lot of space in you know, the middle of town. And, and it needs to be preserved and used. And, you know, you know, a handful of guys riding carts around whacking at little white balls is, I don't think, necessarily the highest and best use of it, although I expect one of those guys will wrap a three-wood around my head shortly for saying, for saying that. And, and the stadium, I, I think New Orleans gives us an idea of what can be done with the stadium. In the city park in New Orleans, they had a stadium that I think may have Tad Gormley Stadium. I think must once was used by a minor league baseball team in New Orleans. Well, it was it was reconverted and it's still it's used for track meets. It's used for other soccer, I think maybe, and some other community sports. We could preserve War Memorial as a community sports venue without having it be a football stadium, without having to pressure UA Little Rock into starting a football team so Kane Webb will have a, another paying customer in his stadium out there and let the Razorbacks play in Fayetteville like they ought to, and let's make a community asset out of that stadium. I, I, it's, um, I mean, I think there, this notion that there's only, it's kind of a, a one-way-to-go kind of thing is just, is just small, it's kind of small-minded thinking and, and we're looking backward, not forward, it seems to me. But we've been known to do that. Yeah. All right, well, let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. What do you got? Oh, golly. I just did, you, did you read any books on your trip? Well, I, I did finally finish this Panama Canal book. It took it took me a while. And I reckon it's David McCullough. It's been out for years, but it's just a, it's really a fabulous story about how they overcame disease and and, and engineering things and created this marvel in Panama and it was surprisingly fascinating. Sounds good. I will, I have kind of a lame one, but I will endorse having a hobby that will take you away from the stresses of your life. Hobbies are a great thing. Especially you, uh, your crazy little children. You got more man tools? I got more man tools, yeah. I have a, I have a shop in my backyard and I've spent every night I think this week out there a little bit and it's just such great fun. I, uh, my kids are with my folks at least for a night this week's weekend, so I'm going to spend some more time out there. Well, so what are you going to make, a gun rack? That's what we always used to make in shop in junior high school. Everybody made gun racks. No, right now I'm just making things for my shop. So <laughs> last night I was doing the you trim. you got to have shelves for your shop after yeah. all. I was doing the trim for my windows last night. <laughs> Can you come over so, and glaze some of my windows? Sure. That's, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I, could, I could use some of that. Don't cut any fingers off. Well, I have, I have. Do you have one of those saws that automatically won't cut your finger off? I do indeed. Have you tested it to see if it works? I have not. <laughs> no, the the cartridge that comes out is like seventy five dollars, so it's it's not for for party games. <laughs> but it's nice knowing it's there. I know I would prove that they don't work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure of it. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. Subscribe via iTunes or your favorite 
place to get podcasts and give us a rating and review. It helps people find us. And just tell people about us. And uh, tell people about our other podcasts. We've got a bunch going. we got Rock the Culture, hosted by Antoine Phillips and often Representative Charles Blake. The Conversation, hosted by Matt Price. Stephanie Smittle and Omaya Jones do our entertainment podcast. And uh, we've got some others that we're kicking around. So stay tuned. Have a good week. See ya. The podcast you just heard was recorded with Anchor. If you want to make your own, download the Android or iOS app completely free from anchor.fm slash podcast. That's anchor.fm slash podcast.